Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show, Life, Love, and Liberty. Just when you thought it could not get any worse. For you Walmart lovers out there, I have quite the show for you. That's right. I stopped shopping Walmart years ago when I was in a position to not have to shop at Walmart. And here's the deal. I'm not digging on Walmart shoppers, but you guys should be aware. There you go. There, There's the headline. Walmart shoppers calling all Walmart shoppers. Time to be aware. On aisle five, what we have is critical race theory training. that has been going on since 2018. Yes, yes, you heard that correctly. We have the nation's number one champion of flag-waving little kids and parades and chants in the, in the aisles and taking care of their personnel. And they're all things pro-America, right? Maybe once. Highly unlikely you don't get to where you are as a leviathan, a corporate industrial leviathan, by not having long-range goals. So apparently Walmart has stepped over into the mm, conversation of white supremacy. Now I just want you to think about the irony of what I just said. Considering where most of your Walmart customer base resides, it's certainly not what not all white, but when you're talking about rural America where they've effectively run everyone else out of town and out of business, yeah, those are some pretty white areas. Right? But here's the deal with this type of training I'm going to go over, right? It is divisive. And it is meant to be divisive. It is disgusting, not only because I happen to be white, but because I happen to subscribe to the godly theory that there's only one race. So when people are chanting at Walmarts, having to sit through classes at Walmart about white supremacy, when I read this stuff to you, I just need you to be prepared. I literally woke from one of my white privilege naps. Yep, I was napping. Slightly tired this afternoon. You know why? Because I'm, like many of you, have been dealing with my taxes for the past 24 hours. And that stuff wears me out, like I'm sure it does you. And thank God I have one of the greatest CPAs in the country. That's right, with Poolist Financial Consulting. You've seen him on Fox News. You've seen him all over the place, CNN. He is a very trusted source in all things economics and tax. Mm-hmm. He is located right here in Atlanta, Georgia, and honestly, uh, I've dealt with a gentleman uh, for years regarding my taxes, but as I'm moving into, it was wonderful, but as I'm moving into a new space in my business life, um, Andrew Poulos Consulting, Finances and Consulting, has done a wonderful job, uh, dedicated, access, uh, thorough, uh, cross every T, dot every I, respecter of tax law, also respecter of just how cumbersome our tax law is because, you know, it's like 
reduce your fifth finger, add a, you know, half a pint of blood, throw your three and a half, you know, your, your third and a half child in there with a nation full of small pygmy children, then deduct, you know, last year's gas and then add the three bowls of soup that you had and you might have a deduction. I mean, it is crazy. Why do we not have a flat tax consumption tax? I mean, nuts. I think of my late colleague, God bless him and God rest his soul, Herman Gain and his 999 program, right? I mean, people laughed at him, but it would have worked. Would have worked. So yeah, I took one of my naps this afternoon and, and awakened to this craziness. I wasn't even going to talk about this today. And I thought, that's it. I'm done. I mean, Walmart, when Walmart wages war against whites, against conservatives, against faith-abiding people, you know the country has legitimately gone to hell. Seriously. because Or it's just like God going, see, here's another one. As I'm pulling the curtains back and, and Oz, and like all of the Oz's, right, the wizards that we did not realize were behind every curtain, right? Ba-bam, there's another one. There's another one. Here we are with Walmart. So let's get to it. Here's the scoop. And all of this, thank God, this has been brought to us by Christopher Rufo. Christopher is a writer for the City Journal at cityjournal.org. He's a senior fellow with the Manhattan Institute. And uh, you can sign up for his newsletters at ChristopherRufo.com. I have not followed Christopher Rufo until this afternoon. So I have no idea what else Christopher Rufo talks about. But this sure caught my attention. So here's the scoop. You ready? At Walmart has launched a critical race theory training program that denounces the United States as a, quote, white supremacy system and teaches white hourly wage workers that they are guilty of, quote, white supremacy thinking and, quote, internalized racial superiority. And he ends his tweet on this one with buckle up with a big old uh, twine of, of thread, ball of thread. And so here we go. Here's the thread. Walmart launched the program with the Racial Equity Institute, priceless, in 2018. It has, how much did that cost you? It has trained more than 1,000 employees on the core principles of critical race theory, including intersectionality, internalized racial oppression, and white anti-racist development. Now, let me stop right there. I don't know about you, right? But whenever I think of Walmart employees, God bless them all. It's really hard for me to imagine that people who are making like 10 to $12 an hour are clamoring for that next dollar over each other because of the color of their skin. Here's been my historic experience with people who are basically running equal, equitable, the new term, right? The equi- this is the CRT-friendly uh, term, the equitable uh, 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 hourly wage, right? Where no one gets ahead, unless you've been there, you know, slinging Walmart, Chinese Walmart products for the past 20 years, and you might get a couple of bucks more than Susie next to you, right? Or Shaquan. But here we are, here we are, we're going to push the narrative, right? And if we can get to Walmart, boy, we can get to all America. And here we are, they've arrived. So I want you to think about that. My experience with people who are um, middle class, below middle class, impoverished, okay, in impoverished areas, here's kind of the beauty, to be quite honest with you. It, it's, I don't 
it is, mm, it grieves me that we still have impoverished communities. And there are very much so disenfranchised communities. There are people in rural America who still don't have internet. And quite honestly, you guys, if you're listening to me and you don't have internet, you're one of the lucky ones. So look at what they're doing to everyone else with the internet. It's called the big spy operation. So think about this. Poor people, historically, they don't really care what color you are. It's kind of like the military at least historically, right? Until Millie and others came along to say, hey, I want to know more about this white rage as a white male as I'm, you know. Anyway, I digress. But think about that. That's been my experience. Maybe it's been yours. But most people who are just trying to get by and who are trying to feed their families on one, two, and three jobs, most people don't give a damn what color their coworkers are, much less their customers. That's just been my personal experience. So there. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, Walmart employees? I mean, what is the most a Walmart? Like, who are we training? I'm going to get into that. Okay, here we go. So he circles the, the this is from the culture. Here we go. This is from the, the culture. That's right. Global Office of Culture, Diversity, and Inclusion. The global office. All right, fantastic. So here's another picture. I'm just, I'm, I'm, okay, here we go. That's right. Racial equity workshop. Phase one, foundations and in historical and institutional racism. Okay, here's a, about the Racial Equity Institute. Let's read through actually the table of contents. You want to? All right, so we got welcome and reflection. About the Racial Equity Institute. How to use this journal workshop workshop outline? Why is it important to end racism? Socialization, implicit bias and decision making, intersections of race and poverty and race and wealth. <laughs> we're talking about Walmart, okay? So we're not talking about Lord and Taylor. We're we're not talking about you know. Uh, uh, your higher end stores. We're we're not even talking about Macy's, which who knows? They probably have one of these trainings too. This is Walmart. Again, what you historically align with parades and veterans and flags waving and little kids as little girls with those stupid giant bows in their heads. Yes, all of that hot dogs, all things red, white, and blue in their corporate colors. Yeah, all that stuff, right? Go America while they're basically industrially bankrupting the country. We'll get to that in just a moment. So here we go. Power relationships, systems, institutions, Communities, constructing and defining race and racism. When did affirmative action begin? A short history of race and racism in the United States. Equality versus equity. Internalized racial oppression. The anti-racism legacy. Key definitions do not read before workshop. Why is that like a trigger warning? Like it's in parentheses, do not read before the workshop. This is like, don't go to page 35. Okay. So just, just follow, follow, get in line, get in line, <laughs> dummy. So get in line, racist or potential racists or could be racists or generally white people get in line. Okay. 
key definitions. Don't read those before the workshop, okay? And then we have workshop reflections. And then we have an action pledge. So now they have you avowing yourself, which if you read your Bible, go way back to the Old Testament where God talks about not making vows to things that you're not going to honor, right? In the spirit realm, when you make a vow to something, those suckers are coming to collect, a good, bad, or indifferent. So there was always, you know, an out clause in the Old Testament. I write about it in my book, which is not about uh, intrinsic racism, okay? Or perceived, fantasized, uh, phantasmal racism. None of that. None of that. Nothing to do with racism. Have everything to do with Jesus and how awesome he is and he's everything and he can be everything if you let him. And when you don't, life sucks. And that was my life story for a very long time. And some days, you know, I can still live out that whole reality like most of you can, including our trusty critical race theory experts. So clearly, but there's a little, there's a little out clause in the Old Testament um, that effectively says that if any woman or daughter takes a vow against her father's knowledge or husband's knowledge, and certainly against something that he would agree to, he has the power to annul that vow. So I have an entire chapter in my book about vows and the promises that we make. I'm not talking just marriage. I'm talking about the internal, the inter- speaking of internalization, those internal vows that we make with ourselves that really come back to bite us in the ass. And what do I mean by that? Excuse my language. I can't help it. I'm slightly on fire about this because what a solid disappointment. And especially at a time like this, and whenever I see freighters off of the West Coast who can't get into this country filled probably with their supplies. So now my prayer is perfect. Let them sit out there and float. Send all their crap merchandise back to China. Hopefully the number one person being affected by this is Walmart, the giant industrial leviathan. Fine with me. Bring it back to America. Go local. Buy local. Get with your farmer down the street, uh, 100 miles away, 50 miles away. Start joining your community bases. Get out to your local uh, uh Farmer's market that I see right here in my own city. Every Saturday morning, those folks are so faithful. They get up and sell everything from soap, handmade soap, to candles, to uh, uh, dairy products. You name it. Whatever they have a license to sit out there and sell, they do. Produce, fruit, you name it. They sell it. So get out there. Align. Align with the beef farmers in your in your local communities. There are people who literally go in and buy a quarter, you know, a quarter section of a of a cow. I've done it. That stuff will feed your family for the next six months, which you're gonna need to do, by the way. So we'll get into the groceries and the whole, you know, monopolization that Walmart has in just a moment. But I, I find this rather fascinating. So as we continue, we have the workshop reflection. And you get to take your action pledge, right? I wonder what that pledge looks like, by the way. And would I ever take that? No, because my pledge is to this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. I could add one blood under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Right? Can we capitalize all? That's our pledge. And it's no wonder that they've stopped reciting it in public schools and some of your $30,000 a year private schools. No wonder no one stands for the national anthem. 
There's no pride in America. It's literally criminal. Do you understand that? There are people, there are political prisoners sitting in prison tonight who they have been rounded up for various reasons. I don't know all the details of all of their cases and who hit a police officer and who had mace and who didn't, who was just strolling through and rounded up. I don't know. All those cases, you can follow Julie Kelly. She does an, an amazing job of reporting on all of this on Twitter. And she sits in court and listens to every one of these cases, and she's extraordinarily faithful to make sure that the truth is getting out around these cases, okay? So, but a lot of these people were are are and you can see it in the transcripts their own judges our own judiciary due to the prosecution's um um you know just this illicit accusation that you're an american you're pro america that was your reason for being at the capitol not only was it because you wanted to storm the capitol and do something violent okay these are for people who are not even uh, they, they haven't even been, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, they have not been charged with anything violent. Like they're literally, legitimately just, matter of fact, some of them were just let in. So they're walking around going, well, dang, a security guy opened the door and I walked in and there I was. I, I got rolled up in the moment. I, I wasn't, they didn't do anything violent, right? Yes, but you have memes about how the election was fraudulent and you have flags and you're a Christian and you, I mean, it would, if you follow this case, it will blow your mind and it may have you rethinking what you're putting online. I'm not kidding. I just asked you guys this on Twitter. We're going to get to that too. I just asked you this on Twitter, uh, I think two days ago. Has the J6 Commission and their current witch hunt, which is basically the same as Russia at this point, has the J6 Commission, the Congressional Committee, has that altered how you uh, behave online, how you express yourself, right? I'm not talking about people who are like just blatantly calling for blood in the streets and crazy stuff. I'm talking... Um, you know, we're pro-America, we still love our flag, uh, go Donald Trump, you know, maybe four more years, who knows. Even for those of you who have been Q followers, which got my whole world blown up today on Twitter, um, because I asked a very honest and simple question. Uh, I'm not a shamer, if you've listened to my show at all. I don't shame people for what they follow or what they believe. It's not really my thing, and I may uh, passionately disagree with with what it is you subscribe to, but I don't believe, I hate the spirit of shame. I don't like it. And I certainly don't like condemning people and, um, and, and there's something phobic where I come from. So I, I don't, um, I don't practice shaming, you know, but I, I asked a question today about Q support for Q supporters. It just got you know, I'm following you because I asked a basic question. How do you guys feel after waiting for President Trump in the, or believing that President Trump and the military were in charge? How do you feel now? Not, well, how do you feel now? Hear the difference? One is a genuine question. The other one is a straight up accusation of dummy. You know, I should have, I would have ended that statement with comma dummy, but some people are so emotionally immature and they're so religious, you know, Jesus girl decided to unfollow me. And no, that was actually the name of her handle. And she took like 60 people with her. I was like, praise the Lord. Cause I definitely do not have time for a spirit of religion. So all of that to say, 
Online is a cesspool, we know this, but it's also a very good barometer for someone like me in my position who does take you into my prayer time with me because you're part of my country, right? So I want to know, are you ashamed of this country? Has this crap worn you down? Are you still standing for the flag of the Pledge of Allegiance? Are you still standing for the national anthem? Um, Are you still wearing red, white, and blue? Uh, Do you still have hope for the country? Are you still proud of America? Do you still believe in American exceptionalism, even though that, too, has become extremely uh, criminal place? I'm just telling you, this type of, they consider it nationalism of, like, the gross kind, right? Where you just have to extinguish every other nation in order for yours to rise to the occasion. I do not subscribe to that. But I'm all about, listen, you think the Taiwan, the Taiwanese got to where they are by being mediocre? Or how about the Indian population? Do you think they subscribe? How about the Chinese? Do you think they, they subscribe to mediocrity? When, when did that become our mantra? I'll tell you, whenever a spirit of religion, a spirit of sloth, and a spirit of division, and a spirit of guilt, national guilt. What do you think led countries into the, into the European Union? What do you think? What do you think that was on the heels of? right? You're talking about a world war. I've seen my folks in Germany do more guilt-ridden things uh, since before I was born, and certainly in my generation, than, than, than ever. And I can look at it and go, well, that was guilt-driven. So I stand so passionately against these things, not because there's not racism, Hear me clearly, not because blacks have not been completely defiled in this country, not because I believe that, that, that at some point, that there are still issues. And some people see them as latent biases, right? Like you, you just, some things are obvious and other things are just, they're in there just because you're white. It's programmed into you. Now listen, you've heard me say this on my show before. There are genetic, spiritually genetic biases. What do I mean by that? You have a physical anatomical gene pool. You just do. You have a gene expression. You also have a spiritual gene expression. Don't believe me? Look through some of your family lines at the crazy that runs through it. The demonics that run through it. Sure, sometimes that stuff skips over family lines. Read your Bible. Greatest story ever told. You're talking about crazy people. We're talking King David's son raping his sister, right? Defiling his sister. That's called incest. Other family members doing crazy stuff, right? King David has a man killed so that he can cover up the pregnancy that he had while shacking up with with that man's wife. So there's murder in the lineage. So murder continues on in that lineage. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, liars. Why do they lie? Because they all had a, a fear of man. Super simple stuff. So, there's a spiritual genealogy of fear that runs through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have gone completely off, I'm to off, not the rails, but I've, I've gone, I'm, I'm on a parallel path with this because this is my point. This crap right here only works. This critical race brainwashing theory, brainwashing stuff, critical race, critical race theory. This stuff right here only works on people who don't know the truth about who they are and who others are. I'm going to repeat that again. This type of, quote, training 
and guilting of people only works on people who don't know that God already created all of us equally. And you know why this stuff is so pervasive? You know why it prevails in our country? Because our churches have done an abysmal job of teaching the actual word of God. That is my humble opinion as a minister of the gospel. And right now, I'm in battle mode over this because this is for the hearts and minds of all Americans. And guilt, a spirit of guilt, is not of God. And you know how I know, you know, how I know that? Because Jesus took our guilt. As a Christian Walmart executives, that's what I believe. Jesus paid the price for every national sin this country would commit, has committed, would ever commit. Because he did it for me as an individual. Fun fact, he did it for you too. He did it for blacks. He did it for whites. He did it for Asians. He did it for uh, Latinos. He did it for every single ethnicity. Notice I said ethnicity. I did not say race. Now, if you want to talk about ethnic biases, we could talk cultural biases. We could talk about that all day. And primarily because cultures historically stay separated. They segregate themselves by its fundamental nature of a a culture. It will separate you from other cultures. It doesn't, nor should it, separate us from one another, right? In our love for each other, our acceptance of each other. But we live in what the great melting pot has now been bastardized and watered down to just a, it's just a vat, of, of murky, muddy soot, filthy, nasty, muddy water. That's what it is. We're no longer a melting pot of beautiful cultures and ethnicity where we can share with one another with one common ground, right? With one common plumb line, right? That Pledge of Allegiance, that Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, our Bill of Rights, those are no longer the plumb line. See, they had to dismantle those over years. Talk, you want to talk about something systemic? Let's talk about systemic. Let's talk about the slow IV drip of the, of the dismantling of the heart and the mind and the soul of this country. Again, how was that successfully, successfully perpetuated on all Americans? How, how, how? And I say all Americans and I mean all Americans because all of us to some extent have some, um, some, We've been held captive. Like there's this thing in us. Either you know this crap is wrong or you're actually questioning whether or not you should sign up. And if you know this stuff is wrong, it sets you against the quote norm of the day, which can land you in a court of law and someone questioning why you posted a meme about something, why you're proud of your heritage as an American, why there's only white people in all of your family pictures. I mean, that's coming next. You think I'm being hyperbolic, and I'm not. I mean, y'all didn't think we'd get here, and I've been sounding the alarm for years. And here we are. But the church, the American church, has failed the American people. More importantly, we have failed the kingdom of God. There is one woman, one black 
she's not a pastor, but she is my godmama. There is one black leader that I have seen consistently with this banner over America. One. One race. You know who that is? Dr. Alveda King, the niece of the late Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. One race. Why isn't that highlighted more? I'll tell you why. Because it's not cost-effective to have us all believe that there's one race. Because this is how Leviathan and Behemoth work. This is how Baal and Mammon work in the earth. Again, spiritual underpinnings to a very worldly problem. Right? But how many of you know that? How many of you have actually been taught that by your pastors? Y'all are more concerned about your porn activities, adultery, lying, theft, you know, your basic Ten Commandments, which is extremely important. I'm certainly not diminishing that we honor those things because all wisdom and knowledge, you know, comes from the basic, quote, fear, reverence of God, right? And by keeping, you know, his commandments in our heart and not wanting to offend the, or molest, you know, our rights, as Christians, by offending those laws. But if you also read your Bible, you know that no man can keep the law. And if that's what you're living by, you've already failed. So we have kind of a, we have a hodgepodge going on here. And it creates kind of a spiritual, socio-political, economic, geopolitical uh, cesspool, just a mud bath right? Where you don't know what to believe. You don't know how to behave. You just know you're angry. You're tired of being called a racist. Um, you're tired of watching the country slide to the by and by, but this has been a drip. Like I want you to envision an IV bag. This has been dripping in the country for literally decades, but it's been very subtle until now. And that's usually how Leviathan works. When you think of Leviathan, I want you to think about the python, the alligator that, that lives underwater. His eyes are always up. He's just kind of swimming around. You know, he's making his way towards you and then bam, there he is. And he takes you down, and that's where we are. We are tr- there. There's a very real power structure at work right now that knows that we're weak, and primarily we're weak in spirit. We are weak in faith. And, and when you're weak in faith, and you don't understand that God is the author of liberty, and God is the author of equality, and God is the author and finisher of all uh, race issues, because there's only one race, right? And he does call us all to love each other. He also calls us to godly governance. He calls us to have borders for sovereign nations. He does call us to defend the poor and to take up the cause of the widow and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world and to care for the orphans. But instead, what have we done? We've sucked our children into abortion tubes and called that choice for decades. And for those of you who have had abortions, know this. Again, I'm going to refer you to what I just said seven minutes ago. I don't believe in shaming. And there is redemption for those who have had abortions, men and women, I mean, men who have assisted with them and women who have participated. There's redemption because there's redemption for everything that we will ever do according to the gospel, which is why it's the gospel. That's why it's good news. It's not so we can, you know, it's not the crusades where we can run through the streets and, you know, and, and, and act like a bunch of 
Islamic terrorists that either convert or die uh, in the way of ISIS terrorists. That's not, that's not what Christianity is. We've had Christian terrorists too. That's not what that is. That is not the gospel. The gospel is, hey, Jesus came by God, by your creator. He died for your sins. Present, past, future. He is still the author and finisher of every man's faith who will in his heart and with his mouth confess that Jesus is Lord. We are not taught the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel in the United States of America has been completely adulterated. That is not an accusation against Christ's body because I too have fallen prey to um, abdication, to all the things I talk about on this show. I, too, have fallen prey to some of that. I, too, tried to live by the letter of the law, and God has had to deal with me individually on that. Many of you are doing that as well. They also refer to you as never-Trumpers because you couldn't get past the fact that this man has his own walk with God. You could, you refuse, a lot of you still refuse to believe, and God knows the left does, that he even has a walk with God. And who are you to judge that? Because of his mistakes from 20 years ago? We live in a time where, and, and, and this is nothing new because there's nothing new under the sun, okay? But we live in a time where people refuse to allow others to change. They just refuse it. It's like my former pastor, my late pastor used to say, I reserve the right to change. That is a right of yours to change. You know why? Because the gospel says that God will take you from glory to glory. That's called change. That should be called evolution. That should be called personal growth, right? All these little worldly secular mantras that we have, these little systems that we sign up for that are never rooted in the gospel. They're always rooted in you and your strength. And if we think we're going to overcome fear of one another or bias of one another or hatred or jealousy, which is what usually, you know, lands people in major trouble around cultural issues is jealousy, right? Well, that person has this and I don't. Well, not everybody, and that's where the systemic racism comes in. You know, not everybody has equal opportunity. Well, that's not that is and isn't altogether true, in my humble opinion. I, as a female, do not have some equal opportunity. But the opportunity to equalize in any given environment is there for me. I can, I can attempt to exercise my perception of being equal. And it hasn't always worked out well for me as a female. I can tell you that. I've lost jobs over it. I've lost colleagues. I've been accused of horrible things from my former uh, station. Awful things that are not even remotely true about me at all. And that became a national spectacle. I'm a female. Do you think I would have seen some of my male colleagues go through that? No. And it was other females who feasted on the lie. And served it in a racist buffet. I hate that term. I hate the term racist. Because we should all be for the human race. And we should all respect each other's cultures. With the plumb line of 
If you come to this country and you're not born in this country, you migrate to this country, you immigrate into this country, right? Then it should be commonplace and acceptable that you assimilate into this country. Bring your culture. Are you kidding me right now? I'm Greek and German and who knows what else. But our culture that we celebrated and still do and did just this year, actually, during Pascha. Uh, thankfully, I have a giant brick wall around my fire pit. And so people can't see that I'm roasting a lamb just about 20 feet away from their, you know, from their backyard. <laughs> you know, I love my, my, my Mexican neighbors as, as we affectionately, I'm the Greek neighbor, they were the Mexican neighbor, and my former neighborhood. They would roast pigs in the front yard, right? That was part of their culture. I mean, they'd have parties and, you know, we'd have sombreros rolling, tequila pouring, you know, uh, my God, what are those things called? I just had one at a shower just a couple of weeks ago. Pinatas, you know, the beautiful little girls and their giant cake topper dresses, right? And, and we'd celebrate each other's culture. I didn't know anything about their culture, but I was over there, you know, having a shot of tequila and eating some pig in the front yard, you know, and celebrating their little girl coming of age. I mean, you know, I mean, it's culture. It's culture. What are we afraid of culture for? Stupid. Doesn't even make sense. Now, here's a culture I don't subscribe to, and neither does my bi-ethnic daughter. We do not subscribe to the rap culture of twerking and nasty this and hoeing that and bitch that. That's not that what? See, I just defiled you by even saying that, right? Exactly, because it's gross. It is dehumanizing. It is inhumane. It is celebrating a culture of death, hell, and destruction, period. Not all rap, that's for sure. But when you're talking about the rap culture, which is a thing, most most decent, um, critically thinking, you know, God-loving, uh, self-loving, self-respecting humans do not subscribe to dehumanization in song or otherwise known as art. <laughs> That's not art. That is satanic defilement. And I've said it ever since I voted for the Grammys, and I'm saying it now because it is what it is. Now, I have gone off on a whole other thing to make my point about why, about why this crap at Walmart works. Okay, so let's carry on. I, that's just the table of comments. Uh, comments, I love it. Table of contents, by the way. All right, so let's get back to to this dude and what he's saying in his tweets. This is priceless. So the thread goes up. So just to recap, okay, so far, Walmart launched the program with the Racial Equity Institute in 2018 and has trained more than 1,000 employees on the one on the core principles of critical race theory, including intersectionality, internalized racial oppression, and white anti-racist development, okay? The next tweet in this thread, the program begins with the claim that the United States is a, quote, white supremacy system, end quote, designed by white Europeans for maintaining, quote, white skin access to power and privilege, end quote. Whites are the subjected to, quote, racist conditioning, end quote, that indoctrinates them into, quote, white supremacy, end quote. Uh, next tweet. the And he's got citations from their literature all over this thread. Please go read this thread. Again, he's on Twitter, 
and uh, and I'll Chris uh, Rufo R U F O. Okay, the Walmart program claims that whites are inherently here. We go here. We go. What did I just say? What did I just say? Here's the here's the here's the word of this generation. You ready? Guilty. The Walmart program claims that whites are inherently guilty of quote white privilege and, quote, internalized racial superiority or the belief that one's comfort, wealth, privilege, and success has been earned by merits and hard work rather than through the benefits of systemic racism. Now, why do you think BLM for the past two years has been running through the streets of the country to make people uncomfortable? It was stated right there in their initial Marxist uh, homepage. Right, their profession, their allegiance to Marxism. Right, they're here to rattle. We're coming for you. We're coming for your cities. You're gonna be uncomfortable. Right, we're coming for your wealth. We're coming for what you've built because you didn't really build that. Remember, Obama started the drip. Remember the drip. Remember the IV drip I was just talking about. Do you remember hearing that? You didn't build that. Do you do you know that every single speech I've heard those two, the Obamas, give at a university, at a black historically black university, every single one, every single whether coming or going, every graduation, every welcome in the fall, everyone has always given credence to life's just going to be harder for you, and America needs to deal with her racism. Again, I am not professing that there are not issues that people have within a system, particularly whenever it comes to education. (laughs) And let me tell you all something. I live in Atlanta. And I want you to ask yourself, who's sitting in prison right now for absconding with funds through the Atlanta public school system by cheating their own children? in their school system, out of an education because they rather have the money in their personal pockets and reroute funding from the feds by passing these black boys and girls who deserve an education just like any other child in the nation. I don't care what color your skin is. And these fools took off with this money and are now sitting in, I don't know, federal prison. Convicted, tried, prosecuted, convicted, took off with money because they were they were um, they were changing test scores because they needed the Fed's money in order to continue to get money. They needed the Fed's money in order to get money for their own personal accounts. But my point is, the Feds have always always encouraged this type of um, I would call it educational espionage. It's fraud. It's it's educational fraud is what it is. And it's it's rampant throughout the country. It's horrible. We have students who can't who are who are graduating high school who cannot read past 5th grade. Why is that? Because if you keep holding kids back, you don't get the money that you need from the feds for the various programs. And the programs are almost as cumbersome as my tax return. As your tax return, which by the way is due tomorrow. So, if you filed an extension, get that sucker in tomorrow. Or you're going to suffer some pretty serious penalties beginning tomorrow at 1 a.m. on Saturday. So, okay, let's carry on with this. The guilt, unbelievable. 
Yeah. I want you to think about something. How about the black kids in rural America? Because most of the money funneling through the education system is is funneling to the cities in densely populated areas. What about the kids out in rural America who are black, Latino, who need funding, who need resources, who do not have the same resources and the same programs as kids in the inner cities? A lot of these programs are nothing more than laundromats. They're storefronts for people for people to be able to launder money into other areas. Okay, Walmart argues that quote white supremacy culture can be summarized in a list of qualities, including here we go here. This is probably you, <laughs> individualism. God forbid we you know have our own identities according to the gospel, right? Uniquely created human beings, black, white, Asian, Latino, doesn't matter. Uh, individualism, objectivity, paternalism. There's the big paternity thing. Defensiveness, and what I mean by that is the patriarchy. That's a whole other paradigm that some of you parents are about to get a major education in for your little babies that are going to college this year for the first time. So defensiveness, power hoarding, right to comfort. Oh, here you go. Here's my favorite. As a minister of the gospel, here's my favorite. You ready? And worship of the written word, which are damaging to people of color. So you know what they're doing? I have to guess that they're going back and they're and they're reliving this. This is where the KKK started in the Baptist church. No offense, but it did. And so we can validate anything through scripture. We can. And people have done it for hundreds, thousands of years. <laughs> absolutely i mean adam threw eve under the bus before there was scripture right well it wasn't me it was that crazy woman you gave me right there's your first accusation against women for those of you who are upset with the patriarchy <laughs> there it is there's your first patriarch right of all living creation which was adam and what did he do he blamed his blessing you gotta love it so this has nothing to do with Christopher Columbus and the Indigenous People Day and, you know, our founding fathers who were all white and slave owners. No, this crap goes way back before then. Sorry, America. Sorry, BLM. Sorry, critical race theory uh, capitalists over at Walmart. <laughs> this stuff started long ago. And so you should be grateful for those of us who actually worship and study the written word of God that says that all men are created equal. All men are created uniquely. All men are created with a right to life through Jesus Christ. Never said that we were going to have comfort, though. He, get, he promises us an inheritance as his children that he will look out for us. He will protect us. I understand that historically that has not been the plight of blacks in this country. I get it. I do. But we have made some progress. And it would be wonderful if I saw more black leaders like my sister, Mama Alvita, who run with that banner of, okay, if there is inequality here, not inequitableness, if there is a practice of inequality here, can we please start from the premise that God says there's one race and thereby we should, we should correct this in the workplace, in the marketplace? 
And now what's happening, you know, we, we tried correcting it through uh, affirmative action, right? And now I get more emails from white people saying, well, guess what? It is no longer about merit. It is no longer about scholarly equity. It is about I'm not black and I can't have the position. I can't even apply for it because I'm white. So do you see how we fail Do you see how we will always fail each other miserably without actually worshiping the word of God? Do you see that? Because if we all worshiped the word of God, again, I submit to you that we would love feverishly. We would protect each other. We would defend each other and our lives, our livelihoods, our ability to prosper. We would look out for one another. We would not um, segregate ourselves from culture. And now, you know, I have people say, well, why don't, why, don't the, why don't Republicans do this? And they'd never known how to reach out to blacks. I'm like, well, that's true. Because in this era, uh, and I'm speaking politically, in this era what you have are whites who have been told sit down and shut up. You don't know how to reach blacks. And so now what you have in the Republican Party, and this is just going to be a very brief side note, uh, what you have is, hey, what's the next shiny object? And so because they don't want to be seen as, quote, racists or supreme, right, or otherwise bigots, they latch on to anyone who comes along that says, hey, I subscribe to what to what to your ideas uh, as Republicans, when in fact that may not be true. But hey, this is a black person, makes our job easy. We don't have to get out into the streets and go knock doors. And let me tell you, I come from a political upbringing. I was apolitical all of my life. I was raised by Democrats, hardcore union card carrying uh, General Motors lifer. He believed that Republicans were always for the rich man and the Democrats were where it was at. And that was just daddy's mantra and that was it, period. And I didn't really care one way or the other because I was just out working and trying to get by life and pay bills and all that good stuff. And so I was very apolitical. And it wasn't until a friend of mine was running for state court and I saw his campaign and I just something ignited where I'm, I've always been a writer and I love people and I love studying demographics and so, and I love speaking to the hearts and the minds of people. And so he asked me to write and to take a look at his campaign. And what I realized is that his campaign was not, his campaign was playing it safe. It was different. His campaign manager was different from what he was actually uh, professing, the candidate, and what he was out doing. And what he was out doing is, is, this, is this little white guy, is he would get out in his district here in Georgia, and he would attend every black church function and barbecue. It's amazing he didn't put on like 400 pounds. And I would go to some of those things, and I'm here to tell you, I've never seen so much uh, of a welcoming spirit, spirit of love, acceptance. Hey, man, thank you for running. You know, we we want you to we want you to keep our community safe, and we want to make sure that law enforcement's not out here, you know, uh, targeting our our young men. We want opportunity for our our young men and women. You know, and he subscribed to all of that. Still does. Still actually sits on the bench today. And I watched his love affair with his community. And that was my beginning in politics. And, and that was my beginning in understanding how, how easy it is for us to roll up our sleeves and go to each other 
if you're being earnest, if you're earnest about people, they know. That's why I've never sung country music, by the way, because I never felt like I was a country music artist at heart, and I didn't want to be a fraud, and I always figured that country music people know country music frauds. So I never did that. I went a different route musically. Nah, you know, I but I am a country girl at heart, so... Um, you know, a little bit of both city and country, but I can sing country music. Maybe I'll go back to that one day. I don't know. Those were my musical roots. My point is people know a fraud, whether it's music, politics, whatever. They know a fraud when they see one. And I'll tell you what people know when you show up at their door and you shake their hand or you fist bump or elbow bump, whatever we're doing now, and you compliment them on something in their lawn or you ask how their lives are going or how you can help them, ask anyone who canvasses and who does it with a, with a heart, with an actual heart for the people. Ask anyone who goes canvassing how that turns out. You literally make family when you're out there on the road canvassing in neighborhoods. You just do. And people never forget that. They never forget that you came to their door. They will not forget your interaction with them. They will never forget how you made them feel. And some people are just dirt bags, and they're really good at going out and doing that and telling people whatever it is they need to hear because they're worse than 16-year-old boys trying to get into a girl's skirt. So you have to use discernment whenever it comes to politicians for sure. But that was my upbringing. And so I don't subscribe to this, you know, white people can't speak to blacks because they don't understand. All right. And you don't have a say so. But then why don't the white man stand up and defend the black people? Well, you can't have it both ways. You cannot tell people to sit down and shut the hell up because God forbid they care about all men and women of all ethnicities, because there's only one race. And you're right. I don't know what it's like to be black. I will never know what it's like to be black. But does that presuppose my ability to be able to go out and defend my fellow Americans who happen to have black skin or brown skin? I mean, is, is that such a strike against me? That I have to sit down and shut up and just take my critical race theory training? Come on. I don't buy that crap. So here we go. Uh, which are damaging to people of color. So the gospel apparently is damaging to people of color. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, Walmart, here we go. We're still on the thread. Walmart tells minority employees that they suffer from, quote, constructed racist oppression and internalized racial inferiority with internal messages such as, we believe there's something wrong with being a person of color and we have a sense of limited possibility. Okay. Uh, next thread. Furthermore, Walmart tells minorities that they are programmed to believe the myths promoted by the racist system and develop feelings of self-hate, anger, rage, ethnocentrism, centrism blah, 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 and are forced to forget lie and stop feeling in order to secure basic uh, survival the solution according to walmart is to encourage whites to persist to, to participate in white anti-racist development accept their guilt and shame adopt the idea that white is not right acknowledge their racism and move toward collective action whereby white can do right Here's the collective action. Taking responsibility, self-righteousness, opening up, acknowledgement, guilt and shame, denial and defensiveness, be like me. 
The Walmart program is a study in hypocrisy. White male CEO Doug McMillan rakes in $22 million a year while lecturing his hourly wage employees on their internalized racial superiority and internalized racial inferiority. The formula of woke capital is clear. American executives, the most privileged people on the planet, can collect accolades and social status by pledging allegiance to DEI and telling workers their racist oppressors read the full story in the city journal so here you go i highly encourage you to go again to chris rufo christopher rufo and you can find him again at at city journal city uh hyphen journal dot org go read this thread isn't that amazing here's the white ceo who makes 22 million dollars a year lecture and here's the deal i don't really care how much he makes i'll be honest with you i again i'm not opposed to people and wealth now i am opposed to here's here here what's his name doug good old doug's raking in 22 million dollars a year which is how the company clearly is set up okay fine that those are the terms of his employment and however the company's set up for other people to get the screw job for 10 12 dollars an hour working three and four jobs while being found guilty and shamed of their whiteness uh this dude doug gets to go home to 20 million dollars a year while you know i wonder if doug feels guilty or ashamed about his whiteness <laughs> i should have doug on what do you think I think I should. I think I'm going to, actually. I'm going to submit. And I've invited Director Christopher Ray on my show because there are some questions I have around the domestic terrorism thing. And I'm being very serious about that because I'd love to have a definition of that and, and how we're going to bridge the gap here between the trust of the American person with the FBI again. How are we going to reestablish that? So I'd like to bring on CEO Walmart, white male CEO Doug McMillan of Walmart. I'd like to bring him on to talk about uh, racial disparity. I'd like to talk about his guilt and his shame. Do you think Doug feels guilty or ashamed about his $22 million salary? I mean, and what should the remedy be? How should Doug have to prove that he's not superior? How do you think that should work out? I'm serious. That's a very serious question. You're welcome to sound off on my website about this. I have an open mic feature on my website. I cannot wait to hear from you guys. So there's Doug telling other people that, you know, if you're Christian, you suck. And that's intrinsically racist. And we're here to keep the black person down. Unbelievable. So, you know, again, guilt and shame. Spirits. Spirits. Everything begins in the spirit. Ephesians 6 and 12. So when you guys are praying against these things, you don't have to pray against people. You can pray against the powers and principalities that affect people, that are that have people wound up, that direct people in their thinking and their feeling and their uh and their uh execution of things here in the earth, because that's how spirits manifest. So, you know, I just I want to touch on something though. So here's Walmart, right? Talking about and, and this is what really set my skirt on fire tonight. No joke. I'm thinking to myself, those bastards, they have literally gone into every country, every city in the country that they have touched. Their, your small businesses, done. Mom and pop, done. They have monopolized by selling wash and wear just merchandise, basically, in my humble opinion. That's my humble opinion, and I'm still allowed to have one. So you can take that to your Walmart bank and smoke it. So check this out. In the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, okay, I found this piece. It was great. And this is from back in 2019. And here's the title. In 
Walmart's monopolization of local grocery markets. Here's here's Walmart that's supposed to be the champion, the banner of all things America, going to tell us how crappy we are now as Americans and white Americans on top of that and how awful black Americans. You know what? And here let me let me stop right here for just a second. For that paragraph that I read over there in that thread about, you know, blacks who feel bad about themselves and and here's the deal. That's another reason they don't want you to read the gospel. Because if you will read the gospel for yourself, you will see that you actually do have intrinsic value to God and this world, just like everyone else. If you're looking for self-esteem, then go to the word of God and know that God holds you in super high esteem. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son to hang naked on a cross, hung, bleeding, suffocating, in shame, in guilt for the white man, for the black man, for the yellow man, for the tan man, for whatever, the short, the tall, the fat, the skinny, the pretty, the ugly, the male, the female, the child, those who were, those who are, those who will be. For slavery, for every sin we've ever committed against each other, for all of it. That was the God, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you don't have to feel bad about who you are or how you look or your hair or your darkness or your lightness. You don't have to compete in that manner. I have raised my daughter. I understand the world system. And my daughter has come, come up against the world system for sure with regard to skin color. You can rest assured of that. She also has the underpinnings to know I have raised her to be an asset. So no matter what the enemy is whispering to you about your skin color, what the system of the enemy that has been set up in this country or any other country for that matter against whites, blacks, anyone, uh, legal immigrants, right? Anyone, because that's where the enemy resides, is, is in accusation against God's equally created and adored and beloved creation called man. You walk into every interview knowing that you are an asset. You have actually done the work with your grades. You have gone to school. She could have opted out of all of that. Yes, she had the opportunity to do it. We were ass poor. Boy, I'm on fire tonight. We were so poor It was in terms of being able to provide an opportunity for her. But I homeschooled her, and God blessed her with a brain. And she learned, and she had a love for learning. And I prayed for opportunity. I was a praying mother, and whenever I saw the opportunity, I took it. I had to shop at Christmas at churches uh, one Christmas and talk about humbling. I had to walk through the line where I was of this with my fellow, I wasn't homeless, but I was feeding the homeless. It couldn't afford to buy my kid Christmas gifts. And God rest his soul, the priest of this one inner city uh, Orthodox church allowed me to walk through the line and shop for my daughter right beside the homeless that I was feeding. I wasn't greater than them because I'm white. I wasn't greater than them because I'm a Christian. We were equal. I had, we're still equal. I had a roof over my head. I didn't have a drug addiction or alcohol addiction. I did have family who loved me and they did help me through a lot and a church who loved me and helped me through a lot. God did provide. God is faithful. I didn't count on the government. 
Government has never been my God, never will be by the grace of God. God is my God. And when you make God your God, God shows up and does God stuff because you're looking for it. You can see it. You're believing for it. There's faith involved. He never leaves you hanging. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how little your faith is. Stuff wears me out. Here's the article. In 43 metropolitan areas in 160 smaller markets, Walmart captures 50% or more of grocery sales. Our analysis of 2018 spending data found in 38 of these regions, Walmart's share of the grocery market is 70% or more. Our findings provide a stark illustration of the failings of contemporary antitrust policy. They also show that more will be required to fix our broken markets and reforms to merger policy. So think about that. I mean, who would have ever thought as Walmart is like the equivalent of the tech giants, right? I mean, you could talk about a giant industrial leviathan. They have literally gobbled up. And 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 you know what? There's just a part of me. Now I'm actually just like, okay, like I said earlier, let the container ships filled with all that, you know, wash and wear merchandise, as I refer to it. Just let it sit out there and float. Send it back. Send it back. Get creative for Christmas. Quit bitching about not being able to get my Christmas gifts on time. And and Jen has, and, and the, that little circle back chick, which I've never watched before, ever, not even once, not once. I've never watched one of her uh, press conferences because I can't, I just, it's, it's, it's a waste of my time. Because this is what I hear. So y'all have fun wasting your energy, uh, making fun of her and all of that. I just, I don't have time for it. But I do catch bits and pieces of what you guys say comes out of her little press conferences, which never make any sense at all. Um, But here she is telling you, well, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Christmas is probably going to suck for Americans. Well, it doesn't have to. Again, one of the benefits of being poor is that you get very creative. Bake some cookies. Put it in a beautiful Christmas tin. Uh, if you're someone who knows how to create candles, sell candles in your uh, in your community, right? L- alert people on your little uh, spy channel Facebook page that um, uh, that you're selling merchandise. You know, those of you who make jewelry, get online, go to Etsy, start start shopping at little small shops of people who are artisans, local artisans. Uh, maybe they're not local. But if you order now, you can get it to your house. Uh, you know, but why Why continue feeding the Leviathan? Why are we still feeding these monopolizing Leviathans? So I know how I'm going to start praying. <laughs> yep, so there you go. And I'm going to leave that to myself because God only knows who listens to my shows. And then, yeah, I'm going to start. Mm-mm. I'm calling down the godly thunder of Ephesians 6 and 12. We'd be like, all right, Father, you know what's going on down here, and you know the lies, and you know that they're trying to assign guilt and shame to all people, right? Trying to make people trying to make trying to make a mockery of God's gospel. So, Father, get it done. That's my prayer. Open the eyes that need to be opened. Change those twenty-two million dollar hearts of Doug. People like the white guys like Doug. Change those hearts, Father. Change those minds, and do not allow your people to fall into spiritual sedition. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. And I thank you that we're going to see a market emerge in this country. We are going to see an emergence of your average American out here selling goods to their neighbors. We're going to see that in the coming days. Quit, stop being afraid of what's coming. Get creative. God is in the storm. Y'all love to say the devil's in the details. Well, so is God, baby. And he is not going to leave us to our own demise. He's just not. There's too many of us here praying. Sorry, that's my faith. And if that makes me a self-righteous, white, bigot, I don't even know what, whatever, Doug. We're going to have Doug on my show. I'm actually going to submit media submission for Doug, the $22 million man, to come on to my show. I want to talk about this. And I want to have a legitimate conversation about why Doug thought this was a really good idea. So I personally will not be shopping at Walmart ever again for any reason for anything. If it is the last store on earth that is open, I will become like MacGyver and I will do what I need to do to make, you know, to rub sticks together and make something work. But you can have Walmart. You guys are welcome to do what you want to do. But this is a Leviathan. I call it an industrial Leviathan that has perpetuated the greatest exploitation on this country ever in the history of this country. And I feel like a complete buffoon for having wrapped my arms around this idea of uh, go America with our Sam Walton flags and, um, you know, and again, all the little parades and all things pro America, man, these guys are so subtle. The takeover of this country has been so subtle. It is mind blowing. And thank you, Father God, for pulling the curtains back so we can see all these little wizards in this great land of Oz that we live in. I still have faith for this country. It may come to a divorce. It may. Many of you want a secession. Different states are absolutely on board with seceding. And you and your states need to be standing up for your states' rights. That talk right there could actually get me in trouble, criminally. Me encouraging you to exercise your state's rights right now in this nation under this, quote, administration can land people like me in hot water. But I'm going to say it anyway because it it is your constitutional right It is your constitutional mandate, since we're all talking about mandates, to govern yourself as states. So you want to take your power back? That's where you need to start, is right there in your state. I'm out of here. (sighs) Wow. This stuff is just like unbelievable. Don't buy this crap, you guys. Don't buy this crap. Be sensitive to people around you. Do your own research on you, know, you want to know about the racism in this country historically don't go to google go to DuckDuckGo. why don't you get out a textbook go to the library check something out while it's still on the shelf to educate yourself all right i love you until tomorrow be good to your neighbor black white green yellow uh brown tan doesn't matter be good to everybody to everybody to everybody beginning in your own mirror and if you're an american act like one 